Hey, Go Church family. I'm so glad to be back. My name is Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Matt Hadabo. Hey, everyone. And I'm also here with Laura. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Isn't Laura a blessing? Yes. So I'm glad to have Laura. I am here. very thankful. And I'm very thankful for this series. I'm really enjoying this study. If you, you know, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Trails of Faith was such a great week. And yep. uh, this one is going to be even better. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this. And I'm actually really excited about those who do this word. Yeah. And not just hear it because they'll get results. That's right. And I'm going to get results. And I'm going to see more. You know, I'm going to remember this word and I'm going to keep reflecting on this word, meditating on this word so that when things come up, I'm going to assess, am I on the trail of fear or am I on a trail of faith? Let's get back on that trail of faith so that we can start seeing success after success. Yeah. And I know this sounds maybe different to um, what we may have heard, you know, in about the Bible, but it all starts in the mind. Right. This is this is literally what our main scripture says. So let me um, let me read our main scriptures. Romans chapter eight, verses five and six. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You notice that there is, you know, verse six, it, it refers to two paths that we can take. And it says to be carnally minded or to be spiritually minded. So the first step on that path is the mind. Yeah. The first step on that path is literally what you do with your mind and where your mind is going. And the end of that path is either death or the end of that path is either life and peace. And everything else in the middle, it's either the substance of death or the substance of life and peace. So what do you want to experience in your life? It starts with your mind and it finishes with life or death. It's that crucial. It's that important when it comes to the success of your walk with the Lord. And the, I will let, let me read again the purpose. I think that's really important because everything we do is with purpose. So every subject that we cover, every series that we think of, it's not just to fill time. You know, we're not doing these podcasts to fill time. We're doing this because we want to see results in your lives. Yeah. I mean, this is why we're here. That's right. The, the measure of success of leaders is how well everyone's doing in the church. It's not how well the message goes or how many likes you get on social media. It's how well the church is doing, how well the spiritual family is is moving in the direction that the Lord has them move. So thinking about purpose is important because it gets our minds on the results of what we're trying to achieve here. So let me read the purpose. The Bible teaches that we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, and that these parts are all designed to work together. We want everyone in the Go Church family to learn to allow our spirit to direct our thoughts and to govern our lives and actions according to the law of love. So basically, what is this saying? We're saying that we are a three-part being and all of the parts need to work together, right? Mm -hmm. Because our faith or what we believe may start in our hearts, but it moves into our minds. And then based on the thoughts that we have, we take actions in our lives and we move in that direction. And the goal is to move in the right direction, right? So the first two weeks, we talked about the trail of fear, which is governed by the fleshly or carnal mind. And in week two, we talked about the trail of faith, which is the equal and opposite version of that, which is governed by the spiritual mind. Now, this week, we're going to talk about some practical approaches to what do you do if I'm on this path? And I need to fast track back onto this path. Yeah. And we call this week the love solution. We'll talk about why we call the love solution. Um, but I will say a couple of things. No, number one is, let's say I'm, I'm in a state of fear. I, I realize that I'm on this trail of fear. I've taken decisions up to this point in my life 
not based on what God said, not based on what I know is truth, but based on what seems right to me because of urgency in my life, because of pressure in my life, because of needs in my life. So now, I've, now I'm on this path and I've realized this is wrong and now I need to get back on track. What do I do? Well, the first thing I will say is that fear always focuses and fixates on the outcome. So if I'm in fear, if I'm, if I'm on this path of fear, I'm realizing that I'm so focused on something happening. I'm so focused on the result happening. I'm so focused on what I'm seeing, what I'm not seeing. But the opposite happens with faith. Faith is when I fixate or focus on the one who's producing the outcome. So fear fixates on the outcome, but faith fixates on God who gives me the right outcome. And basically what I'm saying here is that I need to refocus my soul. I need to refocus my attention. And fear is resolved by a change of perspective, not a change of outcome. What do I mean by that? In week one, we talked about the, the storm and Jesus and the disciples in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee to get to the other side. Halfway through, they, they encounter a big storm. All the disciples are gripped with fear. Uh, I understand, I'm not saying I agree, but I, I get what happened there. And I get also why that's in the Bible, right? That's for us to discuss right now. And while Jesus was fixated on what God said, God said to get to the other side. They were fixating on, we're all gonna die because I see a storm right now. They were fixating on the negative outcome of the situation. Jesus never fixated on whether there was or there wasn't a storm. He was fixated on what God said. And he was fixated on the fact that God's getting us to the other side. But here's, here's what's really interesting is that even after the storm was done, so if, let me, let me actually go back in here so I don't, I don't paraphrase too, too badly, but even after the storm was done, uh, it says, he arose, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And immediately in that moment, basically, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he turns and he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? <laughs> so the sea is now calm. The storm's over. A miracle happened. They saw the great power of the word of God in action. And verse 41, and they feared exceedingly yeah. and said to one another. So they're still in fear, even though the element went away. Yeah. So what they're doing is fixating on the outcome, fixating on what could happen, fixating on this. And, and the fact is that the, the, the reason that they say they're afraid is actually not there anymore. It's, that's, this is so crucial because um, the, I would encourage you just to rewind this and listen again to what Gilbert just said. It is critical to understand and the element that had seemingly caused the fear, at least that's what we think. We, we think, well, it's a huge storm. That's why they're all afraid. But now the storm's gone and they're still afraid. So there's something else, right? And that's uh, this, this uh, point that you made there is fear is resolved by a change of perspective, not a change of outcome. And I, I, as I was thinking about this, getting ready I, for this uh, to record today, I was thinking, you know, how many times I've seen people praying in fear? They'll, uh, they'll have a situation that they want to see change. And they'll, they'll at least they, they think they're praying in faith, but they're, they're really in fear. Yeah. And they're, they're, it, it's something like this. They'll squeeze their eyes shut real tight. And they get their, oh, Lord. And they're serious. They're very sincere. They want a change in outcome. This outcome has to change. This outcome has to change. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor needs to tell me everything's okay. I need a good report from the doctor. Why? 
What about the good report that's in Isaiah 53? Hmm. What about the good report that's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17? What about the good report that's in 1 Peter 2, 24? What is it about this doctor's report tomorrow that needs to, needs to, to change so that you believe what the Bible says? This fixating on an outcome change is fear. Fixating, focusing our mind on the one who produces the outcome, that is how we get on the right trail. That's really, really good. That's right. So if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse uh, 1 and 2, it's, uh, let me read it. Looking. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah. So... If you look at Jesus as an example here, he looked past the circumstance. He looked past the cross. He looked past all the pain. He looked past even the separation between him and his father, which which is in and of itself the most terrifying thing that we could ever experience in our lives. And I don't think we understand it to the measure that he experienced it. The thought of that much trust in God that every single person who's gone to hell has never come out and he's going to get me out of this because I'm seen as righteous. He has that much power to raise me up. He had that level of confidence, not in the situation, but he had that level of confidence in his father. So he looked at his father. He looked at the outcome, or I don't want to say the outcome because this is confusing language, but he looked at the perspective of, at the end of this, there is going to be a harvest of believers. There's going to be all of these Christians who are saved. There's going to be all of these people who come to the knowledge of God and who, who come back into relationship with God. And this he accomplished not by looking at the cross and looking at the difficulty and looking at, oh, if I could just get through the cross, oh, if I could just get through the scourging, oh, if I could just get through this. He he had a joy that was set before him. Yeah. And so he endured the circumstances because he had a joy set before him and he was fixated and focused on that. That is the trail of faith. Yeah. The trail of faith is not fixating on the fear, fixating on the outcome. So the, 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 the disciples on the boat, you know, we talked about this. Do you not care that we're, we're perishing? Like, it's, it's a matter of fact that they're perishing. That's it. Like they, they categorize this, this situation as a dire situation and they had fear and then things change and then they're still in fear. You realize that there's something wrong. Like this is beyond, this is beyond the circumstances. This is in their minds. Yeah. And now to get out of this is stop looking at, you know, Stop looking around you. Look at Jesus. Look at the author and finisher of your faith. Look at the one who gave you the reason to be faithful in him or the reason to have faith in him because he's faithful. The reason to have confidence in him because he's faithful. So there, there is that element where we need to have a refocus of our soul. Because yeah. when we say soul, we mean, we mean our, our mind, but also our will and our emotions. So we need to refocus our mind and our emotions and our will to look at the author and finisher of your faith, to look at the person who is going to get you through this no matter what. I'm reminded of this uh, story. This pastor uh, shared this and uh, they had built a building, really nice auditorium, but the auditorium, it had no natural light source. And um, he had left his keys on like the seat near the front of the auditorium. So he had been talking to someone, everyone was gone, all the lights were off and they thought, oh, I gotta get my keys. So he goes back in the auditorium and it's completely dark. Now, 
He's the pastor of the church. And he also like built the church. I mean, they, you know, he didn't build it himself, but I mean, he's he, like, he designed it or was part, involved in the design of the, the building. He knows what's in there. He also knows there's no one in there. But he, he said as soon as he walked in, suddenly fear just wrapped around him. Like it was completely dark, ink black. And he got on this old trail, this old familiar trail of fear. Because as a child, he had loved watching scary movies. And he'd, um, he'd watch these scary movies. And then they lived in this old house. And the door to his bedroom had this kind of like creaking sound when, when it shut. And just as, he clo- as, just as the, the auditorium door closed, it kind of made that same sound. He heard that sound, it triggered this emotional response. Suddenly it's pitch black and he's nine, 10 years old, back in his bedroom, afraid of all these movies that he hasn't seen in years and years and years. Fear just gripped him. You know why? He has suddenly slipped back in this old trail. Now he's standing in a room a big room by himself, and just there's no lights. But fear is all around him. And his like first reaction, he said his first reaction was to turn around, grab the door, and open it, get, get out of there. But he stopped and he thought, no, <laughs> no. I, uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna give this any place. So he just carefully walks, because he knows right where this aisle is, walks, can't see anything, walks down till he about where he thinks is the, the first, first row of chairs. He finds his keys and gets back, picks his keys up all in the dark. And all that fear still feels like it's right there. But he is refusing to act like he's 10 years old, to refuse to act like he's still on that trail. He's going to act like this room is perfectly fine. Nothing's going to jump out from the shadows and get me. And he walks to the, he walks up another aisle, walks up to the back where he knows all the lights are. And he turned the lights on. He turned the lights on. Sure enough, everything is perfectly normal, just the way he'd left it. Nothing. Everything's fine. And he's looking, he's like, no fear. Shut the lights off and walks out. Fear is resolved by changing your perspective. Being confident, both in who you are and who the Lord is and what he thinks about you. Yeah. Praise God. So I want to I want to go a little further in this refocus our soul element and why we called it the love solution. Yeah. You know, I'm going to read a passage of scripture which I love. Uh, we can say love about scripture, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 1 John chapter 4 verse 16 through to 18 I'm going to read this. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Praise God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There's a lot in, in this passage. And, you know, I think... This passage alone, you can go in three different directions, but I, I want to focus on the love solution. So talking about how the love of God helps us refocus, get off this trail of fear and come back to a trail of faith. 
And I, I just want to pick out two points. And I just want to focus on these two points. Number one, God is love. Yeah. So it, it also says in verse 16 that he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So love is who God is. But if we are in the place of love or in, in the hands of love, then we know that we are with God and mm -hmm. God is with us. And so this, this revelation is so powerful that the person who is love is also the most powerful person anywhere ever, right? And he is for you. And with his love, he surrounds you and he protects you and he keeps you safe. Uh, I really like that um, there's a passage in Zephaniah. There's a verse in Zephaniah in uh, chapter three and verse 17. And I, I love it. And I think it just brings out the point in the NLT translation, which I'm going to read. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight with you, delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So with his love, he calms all your fears. Because when you see the love of God and you see that God is love and God is in me and love is in me, there's no room. There's simply no room for fear because I know that he is greater than the thing I'm afraid of to begin with. Point number two is that perfect love casts out fear. So God is love. So if perfect love casts out fear, then perfect God, God perfected in me casts out fear. So what does perfected mean? It means to be complete, to be, um, it's, it's seen in different uh, passages of scripture where this completion is to be transformed and changed into uh, perfection or like a desired outcome. Yeah. And I can see it this way that God perfected in my spirit, in my mind, in my body, casts out all fear. So you see that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that uh, Paul tells Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The word sound mind, I really like it when I, I realized what it was in, in Greek is sozo uh, phroneo, so saved mind, um, a redeemed mind, you know, a restored mind. S saved means so many things, but yeah, yeah. it's a saved, redeemed, restored mind. So we have a restored new mind which is perfected by God. So if I have God's mind, how would God think about this situation? This is literally what he put in me. So the perfect love that he has is him perfecting my mind to the point where I like the way Mark Hankins says this. He says that I wanna, you know, the Holy Spirit's gonna make you lose your mind so that you can get the mind of Christ. Yeah. So I lose my own mind, my, my way of thinking, my fear thoughts, my fear patterns and I allow the you know, God mind, which is perfected in me to cast out all fear. And so there's so much there that, uh, that we can look at and understand that you know, when, when God gets access to my mind, when God's word gets access to my mind, it pushes out all fear, it pushes out all room. You know, when Paul was telling Timothy this, Timothy was afraid because there was a great persecution happening and Christians were being burnt alive. They were being fed to wild animals. There was unfair, unjust, cruel um, persecution, you know? And he was literally one of the most visible Christians at that point in time. He was literally the pastor of the biggest church in the Mediterranean. And what, what was Ephesus? Was it the second or third biggest city at some point? Yeah. It was, right? It, yeah. was a, it was a big city in the Roman Empire. Huge city, yeah. And so he would have been prime target number one for persecution. So he would have been very tempted to leave his post and just run away and hide and abandon all the Christians who, who needed him. He was pastoring them. He was shepherding thousands of people. And what Paul tells him is, 
God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a saved mind. So now with your saved mind, with your, your, your God renewed mind, look at what you need to do, you know? And this is the love solution. Yeah, it really is. It's, that's so good, you know, and notice there, Paul didn't say, I'm gonna pray that the Lord will give you something you don't have. That's good. He said, listen, Timothy, you already have this. Yeah. And you need to start thinking like this. <laughs> you need to get off the trail of fear. Stop imagining yourself at the bottom of the amphitheater running from lions. <laughs> or stop imagining that um, the uh, older people uh, in Ephesus are going to say to you, young Timothy, oh, we're not going to listen to you. You're just a young guy. We don't have to listen to you. No. He said, you start acting like the word is true. Think like, think with your redeemed mind yeah. about what God has already put on the inside of you. So powerful. Yeah. And so in, in doing this, I want to move to the practical application and, and how we can think about what we need to do. And let's go back to what, uh, what we read last week, which is what the Lord commanded Joshua. And actually, rather than reading that scripture, I'm, I'm going to read Psalm um, chapter, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. So it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So if we want success, I mean, prosperity in this context means success, whatever that may look like. I mean, it can be, it's not, you know, limited to financial prosperity. This is success in every area of your life that God ordained for your life, whether it is ministry or work or family or, um, or, or any kind of relationship, whether it's about, you know, being in the right place at the right time, any kind of success, it starts in meditating in the word of God. So uh, we said this towards the beginning, but what you look at will influence what you think. That's exactly and in right. this world, uh, unfortunately, we are all we have we have so much access to stuff that tells us how to think. Social media tells us how to think. Our schools tell us how to think. Um, our parents tell us how to think. Our friends tell us how to think. You know, any kind of peer pressure tells us how to think. And the fact is, God also tells you how to think. Now, what are you going to allow your mind to marinate That's right. in? Because there is a balance. You need to marinate in something that will influence you more than the other thing next to you. Let's make that practical. Yeah. If you if you sit with your, you know, in a in a a day, let's say you're awake for uh, 16, 18 hours, and in 16 or 18 hours of being awake, four of those hours throughout the day are spent looking at um, things on social media, videos on social media, making fun of politicians, uh, talking about how bad the situation is, uh, talking about how um, you know the this politician isn't doing this, or um, uh, this policy is not going to change, or this government official uh, has stolen this much money. Do you know the result of that will be this, that's, that's what you're taking in. So then that's what will come out. That's what you'll think about. And you lay down that that thought will come back. That image will come back. That video will come back, especially if it's funny. Mm -hmm. Humor is such a powerful tool. And you think, oh, well, you know, it's just a, funny joke, just making a joke about, you know, this politician or that politician. Fun, uh, people, you know, it's, I, sh I should say it's, it's funny. And so people laugh, but what we're really doing is we're 
we're adopting a line of thinking. And that line of thinking may or may not be in agreement with what God's word, or let's say it another way, it may or probably not will perfect the love of God in us that casts out fear. And um, one of the greatest ways to become successful in the things of God and to see your faith made sight is to cut out things that introduce fear into your life. Cut out things that introduce doubt into your life. Just good. cut it off. Yeah. It's, it, it is not helping you. I remember I was, um, I, I used to really like political satire. I just thought it was funny. It was, you know, uh, kind of my sense of humor, at least I thought it was at the time. And I was laughing about something once and, uh, just on the inside, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but I know the Lord spoke to me and he said, I don't think that's funny at all. If you want to talk about like the feeling of being covered in cold water or something, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I thought, well, I kind of do think this is funny. He doesn't think this is funny. I need to change. <laughs> I need to change my perspective. It's the right conclusion. And so I just deleted that. I, I won't, you know, I won't let myself watch, listen to, or laugh at things like that now because he doesn't like it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, so you're renewing your mind. Basically. I'm renewing my mind. I'm, yeah. I'm changing what I, what I let come in Yeah. and I'm directing what I let my mind think about. Yeah. So I want to, I want to give three practice points and three points that we can consistently monitor. So if we want to talk about renewing our mind and meditating the word of God, this is what we can do. So maybe, maybe you're like, what is, what is meditating the word? Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, uh, let's say it this way. We are finding a way to apply our minds, you know, sorry, activate our minds with the word of God as often as possible. Let's, let's talk about doing three things. Number one, we should actively review and diagnose wrong thoughts. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 say that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So like Pastor Matt said, if there's something that seems harmless and seems funny and then just directly contradicts what God's trying to do, that's a thought that lifts itself up against the knowledge of Christ. Yeah. And that is something we need to cast down. I like that it's the word cast. It's not a gentle thing. It's literally like tear it down, you know, tear down these thoughts. Isaiah 29, 17 says, it will not be very long until Lebanon shall be considered a fruitful field. So, if you're going to say, yes, I believe that, that's what the Bible says about this nation, then I can't, I can't spend six or eight hours laughing at jokes about how uh, politicians are stealing everyone's money and they're yeah. taking the country for a ride and it's never gonna get anywhere. That's the, one, of, one thing is true or the other. And one is uh, the seen realm, which is temporary and subject to change. One is unseen. And I'm going to choose yeah. to focus on what is not yet seen. That's right. I mean, this is what, the reason why I chose to register myself as a taxpayer in Lebanon. Yeah. I, I, I am a tax resident in Lebanon. I don't even make my money in Lebanon. I My job is abroad, but I choose to do that because I put my money where my mouth is and I believe that this nation is changing. God called me to be here for his purpose, for that promise. And I will do what, you know, I believe Lebanon should be, you know, and like, I will see it in that light. So that takes me to, to number two. So we said we should actively review and diagnose wrong thoughts. Number two, we should actively think the right thoughts. So 
Paul says in, in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, that, you know, wh whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is of good report, whatever is, is, is worthy of praise, think on these things and keep thinking on these things. Yeah. And, and this is, this is what we need to do. So get our minds off the wrong things. Well, obviously you empty the cupboard, fill it with good stuff. You know, this is the point. Just actively think the right thoughts. Point number three, this might sound trivial to you, but it, it is not trivial. This is, this is a spiritual uh, action that you take, it, it, which is it's a spiritual we need to law. talk to ourselves. Yeah. And we need to talk to ourselves until we line up with the word of God. So you see Psalm 42, the psalmist is saying, why are you cast down on my soul? Come on, lift up. Come on, have hope in God. Come, why are you cast down? He's literally talking to his own soul. Yeah. Like, I can talk to my mind and say, why are you depressed, oh mind? Why are you anxious, oh mind? Lift up, come on. This is the hope that God has for you. Come up, come up. And, and so I encourage you, I absolutely encourage you, these three things, do them. Actively review and diagnose wrong thoughts and tear them down. Actively think the right thoughts, which, is, which are in line with the word of God or are directly the word of God. So Isaiah 29, 17, it is not yet a very little while until Lebanon is esteemed a fruitful field. That fruitful field is esteemed a forest. Put that in your mouth, put yeah. that in your, in your mind. If ever you feel like someone cuts you off on the street and you feel like just trashing them and all the roads in Lebanon, stop and remember, this is what I wanna fill my mind with. Am I gonna fill my mind and my mouth with this or my mind and my mouth with this? And if you happen to get off track, start talking to yourself. Get yourself in front of a mirror I, I do this, I don't know, this works for me and this worked for the psalmist in Psalm 42. So I'm gonna do that. And why are you cast down on my soul? God you, you did too much for Laura, you. couldn't see it, but Laura raised her hand too. I do it too. <laughs> you do it too? Yes. It's awesome, right? Yes. How, how does that make you feel? Like what happens when you do it? Um, transforms me, shifts the focus back to him. Yeah. Back on God. Yeah, refocus. Back on what he says about me. Yeah. Instantly. It, it changes focus instantly when you start saying his words. So that's the love solution, right? You yes. go back to refocus the soul, right? We, we, we get off like the circumstance and the thing and the thing. We get our minds back on God. This is who is the promise giver, you know? And, and that's, that's so important. I, I want to I take it one step further. And I want to introduce you to a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Amen. Now, um, if you don't know what to pray, guess what? There are tons of prayers in scripture that we can just pick up and, and pray for ourselves on a daily basis. And what's amazing about, if, about Ephesians 3 is that uh, Paul is literally praying for the church in Ephesus and the church at Go Church and the church across Lebanon to have a greater revelation of the love of God. So the, you know, let, let me read this out. Let me read this prayer out. So Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. So he's saying that I pray that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Glory to God. I, I love that prayer. I, I've, I've personally taken this up to pray this in my life on a daily basis yeah. for me and my house. Yeah. And what I see in this prayer is the fact that there is a revelation of the love of God. So once I'm strengthened in my spirit, I see who God really is. When I see who God really is, then I can be filled with all the fullness of God. So. The, the revelation of the love of God directly impacts what I'm gonna see in my life. And if I take hold of that, I will see more in my life. So I wanna, I wanna take us for a minute from defensive to offensive, okay? What I mean by that is we've been talking about, I'm on the trail of fear. How can I get off this trail of fear and just come back to the right place? This is defensive. This is me being in the wrong place, just trying to survive. Let's talk offensive. I'm on the trail of faith and I want to enhance this walk on the trail of faith. So if you notice what, um, what Paul is saying, he's saying that, um, you know, that 
that Christ may dwell in your heart and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints in unity all together. What is the, the width and length and depth and height of that love? To know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge so that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. He doesn't stop there. Look, in verse 20, he says this. He says, now to him who is able to do exceeding. I know that Lara likes that <laughs> word able. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, think, mind, think. According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, the thing about this is that in order to get to a greater manifestation, to be able to see the he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. So for me to get to that higher thought, I need to have a revelation of the love of God. Yeah. So he's able to do more than I can even think right now. So I need to unlock my thinker to be able to receive more from him and, and, and do more in him. So the knowledge of his love improves our thought life. Yes. So because I have more revelation of his love, I can think the way he thinks. And, and I'm convinced that, you know, that, that passage in Isaiah chapter 55, where he talks about the Lord saying, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, but my ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. He's not telling you I'm different to you. He's telling you, come up. Come up, yes. He's telling you, come up. Like what he's telling you is, I'm thinking here, and you're thinking down That's here. That's exactly and right. And I'm asking you to come up because I am able to do exceedingly abundantly what above what you are asking or thinking right now. So pray this prayer so that you can think higher, so that you can do more and you can receive That's more. That's so good. This is offensive. Yeah. This is an offensive mentality on the trail of faith. So now I'm on this trail of faith and I'm saying, Lord, I want to see faster. I want to see more. What do I do? Pray Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 through to 19, because when you get that revelation, he's going to fill you with the fullness of himself and you're going to be able to think higher. Yeah. Now I want to, I want to just share this little illustration. That's so good. I know we're over time, but I want to share this little illustration, which, uh, you know, I shared this story on, on previous podcasts, but uh, last year in summer, I, I was in, in the Netherlands with, with uh, my wife, Ciela and, you know, our uh, like her mom and we're driving around this really pretty area. We're going for a walk in the woods and, you know, I'm seeing like these, these, these nice houses, you know, like in the forest and they're quite pretty and they have, you know, land around them and just looking at them. This is nice. You know, and honestly, in my heart, it just came up and I, it's not, again, it's not like an audible voice. It's not something uh, like it wasn't a vision, but, it just, it was like in my heart. And I, I felt the Lord say to me, you can have one of those. You know that. Um, and honestly, like talk about his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I wasn't in that mode at all. I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't even thinking that's for me. I, I was in a mentality of, you know, plan my finances to the end of the year, plan my finances for the next two years. Um, I was in a, I was in a, you know, a low thought plane. Like I, I was not on a higher thought plane, but I realized that, you know, he said, you can have one of those. It, it didn't mean like today you're going to buy that house, right? What it meant is. Think higher. Think higher. You can go further. Now I can stop there and never go further. I can reach that point where I never see that promise. He said, I can have it, but. I, I could put myself in a position where I never go down the trail of faith. I never go further in that trail of faith and I never see more. But the point is, he's trying to take me down the trail of faith to go further. And in order to do that, I need to think higher. So to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I'm not suggesting the, the epitome of, of spiritual mindedness is a house. What I am saying is that when God says something, you put your mind to that and he will take you to that, to the greater manifestation of life and peace in your life. And 
this is what I'm encouraging us all to do. Let's think higher. Yeah. So we need to think higher in order to see more. And so I, I'm going to hold on to that. And he says, you can have one of those. It's, it seems way beyond my capacity or my Lara ability today, but that thought is there. I, I'm convinced that I can have that because I'm convinced that he gave that to me. And I'm changing that language from I can have that to I have that, you know? And I'm starting to think higher and I'm starting to go further. And I find myself personally in a place where I'm unsatisfied, not because I'm in the wrong place, but because I want to go further. And this is what you pray for to go further. This is what you do to go further. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you need to keep being spiritually minded to walk further and go higher where he's called you to go. So with, um, I mean, with that, we're already over time. What we're going to talk about this week is uh, Paul. And we're going to look at the example of Paul, uh, specifically the the. The subject notes are going to be about Philippians chapter one. Paul wrote the letter of Philippians when he was in a Roman prison in a miserable condition. Like if you look around, it's miserable. You know, it's, it's, it's ugly. There's this constant, um, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm sure Pastor Matt being a history buff would, would describe it way better. But, you know, there was obviously all the, the, the conditions that he was in were were horrible, horrible, horrible. But then there was also that constant in the back of his mind, they might, you know, pick you up and just throw you to a lion right now. Or they might, um, you know, light you on fire right now. Or yeah, they Paul, might yeah, he was he was imprisoned in Rome at the time or around the time when Nero was burning Christians to light his garden at night. Um Paul was in the prison in Rome, which <laughs> had like a dual purpose, or maybe it wasn't a dual purpose, but um, it was a sewer. So for the for the city, which is terrible, right? The uh, the conditions are. It's not just Paul was in prison. Yeah, Paul is in prison in Rome when Nero is in the uh in the palace yeah and uh if you you know any student of history nero is a just crazy crazy sociopath but um yeah the uh the prison that he writes philippians from is crazy bad conditions <laughs> like he would have been waist deep in sewage Oof. perhaps perhaps as much as waist deep that's and how many times does he write rejoice in that letter? Exactly. Read yeah. read Philippians 1, thinking the number of times you're I'm like, waiting for the but. <laughs> he was in uh, bad conditions, but. But he wrote Philippians 1 and said rejoice. Yes. And again I say rejoice. Yep. And uh, it's, you know, it's one thing to rejoice on a big Sunday when we're all together. And, you know, but it's what what you have built on the inside of you how much of the love solution you have taken in, how much of this Ephesians chapter three prayer you have prayed and got to where you think higher matters because at some point you might find yourself in this, in this condition and Nero released him. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. He, because Paul said he chose Right. He said, and, and even in Philippians one that, you know, I, I don't know what I'll choose to depart and be with Christ, which is far better or to remain here and to come back to you to finish the work that we started. And that's what happened. So the substance of things hoped for was manifested. Right. It was it was there. That was it. The, the substance, the faith that he had down, you know, going down that trail of faith, he saw it manifest. Yeah. And that's amazing. So. You know, this is something we're going to talk about in groups. Um, leaders, you're going to do a great job 
giving that context and, and opening up to talk about Paul because Philippians 1 is not the only place where we see this amazing character and this amazing renewed mind in operation and action, but we see it across scripture in the book of Acts and, and in many other of the epistles. So I, I also encourage every single person to come to the Grow Group and share, share a story or share something, share some light that you've seen about Paul and how his renewed mind acted in those situations. And with that, we're out of time and we're closing up for this month. It's been an amazing series. It is. I'm, uh, I'm sad that we are, uh, we're finishing this out. There's so much more yeah. really in this. And, um, but yeah, in your groups, um, share your testimonies and um, share about how much you loved having Laura with us all these, uh, all, all these weeks. I uh, love so being thankful. here. Thank you. And uh, we're thankful to you taking time to listen to these. Uh, these, these podcasts have been longer because, um, you know, we wanted to get through some of these uh, subjects and, and Laura talks so much. So <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert, do you have a scripture? I, I do. I just really want to share the scripture in the Truth New Testament. It's Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, I've wanted to share this in the last four weeks. I didn't get a chance. And in closing, I, I do want to share this. I think it's appropriate right here, right now. Um, this is Paul speaking to the Colossian church. And he says that you have been raised with Christ to share in his risen life. So I'm, I'm going to pause here and I'm going to read this again. You have been raised with Christ to share in his risen life. So the will of God for your life, according to this, is life and peace. You know, going back to Romans 8, uh, Six, the will of God for your life is sharing in his risen life. So Glory to the, God. the life of God and the peace of God, that's his will. So let's keep reading and look at these instructions. So set your hearts on heavenly things, for that is where Christ is now seated at God's right hand. Verse two, you need to have heavenly thinking and not be restricted by mere worldly thoughts. So I'm going to leave that there. Um, and like we said for the third time, we're out of time. We're closing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but if no one's told you, we love you. We are praying for you. And we will uh, we'll be back next month with a new series. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to this message. We want everyone to experience the unconditional love of God, grow in His love, and go with His love to the rest of their world. We invite you to connect with us at one of our groups or our next gathering. And, if no one told you yet today, we love you and believe God's very best for you.